0: Career, actress, writer, and cultural producer Sherelle Skeet has originated many iconic roles from Rose Granger Weasley in the world premiere of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child at the Palace Theatre in 2016, to voicing Guardian Omnic Orissa in the award winning video game Overwatch, or my particular favourite, originating in the role of Tara in Temmie Wilkie's debut play at the Bush Theatre, The High <laughs> Table. Yeah, for which she also received the 2020 British Black Theatre Award for Best Supporting Female Actor. On top of this, Sherelle is co-founder of Black trust UK, a grassroots network and support group for self-defined Black and mixed-race women actors of the African diaspora. Most recently, Sherelle is starring as Tina Flanoy in Mark Bartlett's new play for the Old Vic, the 47th, which, written in blank verse, looks forward to 2024, to the next US presidential race, when the battle for presidency is being staged between Kamala Harris, played by Tamara Tooney, and Donald Trump, played by Bertie Carvel.
1: Sherelle, welcome to TBB Talks. Thank you. What a nice intro. That's so cool. Thank you.
0: No, <laughs> oh, thank you. I And I love the high table, so I'm very excited to be uh, talking to you today. Firstly, how are you? How is everything going?
1: You know what? Today, the sun is shining, so I'm so grateful. Feeling like I'm somewhere close to being in the Caribbean, so... That's cool. I will take I will take the sunshine where I can get it. But yeah, it's it's been amazing. We are four weeks deep into the run at the forty seventh, and the responses have been like really amazing. Actually, like just people coming for different reasons, whether to see Bertie as Trump. <laughs> And you know, people who are Mike Bartlett fans or Rupert Gold fans, or if you're a Law and Order fan, then you got yourself some Tamarratuni. I think it's a really interesting piece of writing that it kind of doesn't ask to be liked. It feels more like a comment for me personally, and kind of highlights some of the things that we've been going through. Yeah, seeing what (laughs) the effects of Trump's leadership, but also. At the very end, you get to hear a a personal story as, you know, all these politicians speaking about laws and policies. And I feel very fortunate to be able to share that part of the story. So it's not, I play a nurse (laughs) at the very end. I get to have a nice interaction with Trump himself. I won't spoil the the story too much, but um, yeah, come along, man. It's good. Also yesterday I did, I had a, I want to shout out, to Peckham if you haven't been down there go down there they have Peckham Fringe on at the moment and some incredible local artists and people from around the wider London have been like sharing their work and it's just great to see theatre just come back alive like after the lockdown like the like you said the last show that I did was um, The High Table which was amazing and then to go from that and then into the 47th which is my first play since has just been like amazing just to see just to be on stage to be on stage and to have an audience and to have that live response that dialogue with the audience every single night just it's a reminder that you're alive and we just love we love stories and it's just great to hear the audience's response every single night I don't ever get tired of that
0: so I mean I want to ask you a bit more about what attracted you to be in a part of this project you said it's like the first big project you've done since the high table And you were kind of speaking a bit about how it's very importantly speaking to the current political context. Is that part of the reason why you wanted to be part of the play? Is that generally something that attracts you to the projects that you do?
1: I always feel like a lot of the shows that I somehow get involved in always end up aligning with my life. So sometimes I I don't always necessarily know in that moment. Um, I've never worked at the Old Vic before, so that was a really interesting pulling point for me that my 18 year old self is like, you know, wanting to, you know, going past these big buildings and wondering one day whether I'll get to perform on those stages. So, you know, I think the, the, maybe the people that originally built those buildings didn't necessarily imagine someone like me performing on that stage. So that feels like legacy building. Mm-hmm. I want people who have come similar, come from similar backgrounds for me. That anything, knowing that every, anything is possible. So, yeah, being able to perform on that beautiful stage is first of all amazing. The story it was interesting because I actually didn't know much about Tina Flournoy at all. It was only once I researched her and I was like, whoa, she's been about in the white house for like decades she was she was in um bill clinton's administration she was his chief of staff and she has been brought to the forefront mainly because of kamala Harris and her women of color staff a team of staff she has actually stepped down now but i'm not up to date in terms of the politics but um i just thought it was really amazing to play this a woman who the way she uses her agency is through remaining anonymous so she is quietly powerful and pulls the strings behind the scenes and she has been doing that for a very 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 long time before Kamala Harris even stepped into the White House so I think that's really amazing she's an older woman and I think there's something yeah in just playing a senior role and Playing, getting to multi-role as well is always so much fun. I really enjoy the, mag- it feels like magic when you get to see actors like come off stage and then come back on stage as a different person, different energy. It's just like, wow, how'd you get to do that? So I feel really fortunate to be able to multi-role in this play as well. I've read Mike Bartlett's work before and found it really interesting. I haven't really done a lot of verse. So this is the first time that I'm approaching verse text like that. And I just, I love variety. I I enjoy the challenge so it was a mixture a culmination of all of those things and then finding out that you know Tamara Dini is playing Kamala Harris it was just yeah it's it's been a really fun challenging and exciting process to be part of and to tell this story where we're basically mixing things that we've gone through as a global community and kind of looking ahead as to what it could possibly look like Mm -hmm. which is scary and it means that hopefully it will be a call to action whatever that may be in terms of what that means to you as an individual but hopefully it will be a call to action whether that's how that impacts you personally on a local level or, or based on what influence you have in the world everyone has some kind of influence that you know the actions that people choose to take so and it's funny as well I think it's so funny I think he's written something that we can look at and be like wow yeah (laughs) the world feels upside down at times but to also find the lightness in Mm. all of the the chaos I think is really important and I think what he's written what Mark Butler has written is is, is a testament to that and I think the performances are just amazing just for theatre and to just enjoy storytelling on that level yeah that's why I wanted to be part of it that's the that's the long-winded version no that's a
0: fantastic answer I wanted to zoom in a bit on you talking about your character, Tina Flanoy. So you gave us a bit of a background about who she actually is in real life. But Mm -hmm. what was that like for you um, as an actor uh, trying to recreate this character? You said you were multi-rolling, so obviously this isn't the only character you're playing. Um, But like she's a senior role, so how did you connect to her that way? But also in comparison to, say, roles like Rose Granger-Weasley or... Tara, like obviously these aren't real people, whereas Tina Fey is a person. So how do you relate to the character in that sense as well?
1: We had these conversations at the very beginning of the process. We were told that we didn't want to do caricatures. I think for me, I took that as essence. So looking at this person and knowing that she's she's a lot older than me in terms of lived experience, but I think what she has that I could definitely have more of is. Sense of assertiveness, confidence. And I'm just thinking as a black woman who's originally from the South, to be at that level of, of seniority in government, you know, she's a very powerful lawyer. She knows that she's she she can do the damn thing. There is no doubt about that. She's not on social media, she's not on any of that. And I just think, wow, she must have a real sense of belief. In her abilities, and I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take some of that, and I'm gonna have some of her experience as well. So all of that is tied into it. And for me, I was like, let me just start with that. And based on that's gonna help me in terms of characterizing how she stands. Because when she speaks, she says what she means, and she says things that are firm and she she speaks from the heart. She's about being of service to the people. So I can play that. And that that is such an empowering feeling to have every day on stage and to do that, you know, alongside Tamara as well is very, very, very powerful. It's it's so interesting because the last few roles um, that I've played, like Midwich Cuckoos is about to come out. And before that I was in Hannah on Amazon Prime. And these are all characters where they're in roles of authorities. They're all suited and booted women, so I've gone from the range of being in the CIA to MI5 and now a character that's in Washington. So I feel like I've got all different variations of pantsuits that I've worn over the past two years, Yeah, from White House to, yeah, to Whitehall. And um, it's, it's been great. And it's, it's actually been a real insight into that world, actually, and how it might be to navigate those type of worlds as a Black woman. I've enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting, uh, the the role of an actor, where you get to, like, dip your toe into these crazy jobs, like CIA working in the White House and all that. And I also like what you're saying about it kind of being empowering to play this role every night. I hadn't really thought of, as an actor, how you relate to the parts in that sense. Is is that important to you to... Well, I guess, firstly, how far do you see yourself in that, in... Mm -hmm. Tina in terms of her you saying that she believes in her abilities when she speaks she says what she means so how far do you relate to that in yourself but then also does it help you as an actor to be able to play these roles of women that are kind of empowering they're not making you feel worse within yourself they're they're reaching to good qualities at least how you've defined them
1: I think with actors the actors that I've come across we tend to be really obsessed with people we love people even the most introvert and anti-social actors <laughs> love people. I think you have to because you've got to find um, human existence fascinating because that's what you're studying for that character, that role that you're playing when you're telling stories. Even if you're writing characters, you've got to try and connect. It, it, we go around in life and we think, I would never do that. And then you find yourself in situations like in life and you're like, oh my gosh, I did that and then you're having to drag yourself. And I find that fascinating. And I think what's what's brilliant is as actors, we get to take a segment, whether it's two hours or a little three minute scene, whatever, of a segment of someone's life, where they've got to make, they're faced up against obstacles. They've got to make certain choices that, that you know, will have these knock on effects in a way to understand. And I think that's why we, as you know, from the beginning of time, human beings, we've been obsessed with stories, you know, because we helps us understand who we are so for me whenever i'm approaching a character i'm always like okay how can i approach for me i'm always like how can i honor and respect this character how can i make sure that this person's voice is being heard so for me it's like let me do the homework so it's the research understanding building a backstory talking to the writer talking to the director speaking to my you know my scene partners my colleagues colleagues make sure that we're building a world that is as rich as possible so whenever anyone sits in that that seat or whoever puts on that show they are getting even if you that character doesn't speak you're getting the essence or you're getting the flavor of boy sir that person's had to make some hard decisions or that person's living best life or you know just from a look or and 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 I think that's just like incredible that I always want to honor that I always find it great to be able to sit down like I say to look at Tina Florinoy and be and to give her platform and space and I'm like yeah man she's actually kind of dope you know I get to understand her and for me I'm then learning from her (laughs) I'm taking some things that I can put into my own life I always feel like that whatever role I've played you know like Tara in the high table I look at her and I'm like wow she has so much resilience and hope and belief in who she is to be able to still go through and make those choices have overcome those obstacles no matter what? I hope I answered the question. <laughs>
0: yeah it was a confused question but brilliant answer so thank you. Okay so the play The 47th is obviously very much connected to the current political context mm. and um, I kind of wanted to use this as an opportunity to hear your thoughts on theatre's role in reflecting on the current political context in particular because I read an article that you wrote about a year ago asking what is the role of the Black artist and like the key things that I kind of took from that was the importance of Black artists saying no and also finding spaces where we can excavate joy and pleasure. Absolutely. So I mean have your thoughts on that changed at all in the past year or is this something that the, the thoughts that you stated in the article would you say that's still kind of the the mission or the the important values that you think black Carter should take going forward
1: absolutely I think that first of all joy in whatever you're doing for me any kind of uh, movement has to be love and heart-centered it's the the heart that drives everything for me So that means that when you're telling these really difficult stories that might be centred around Black trauma, there is still joy in being able to excavate and honour those ancestors or honour those voices of people whose voices were not heard maybe at the time when these things were happening. But as actors we have, and as storytellers we have, this tool to be able to share it with the wider people to say okay well when this happened to these people maybe they're they they did not get the headlines or maybe their personal story was hidden behind a headline and they became a statistic and what we're doing is saying you know what we want to shine light on these voices because actually they deserve to be heard now also part of that journey is making sure that we're set we're taking care and looking after ourselves i believe that you know in the downfall of any kind of civilization or any form of society, what we're left of is, is the broken bits of art that we find in, in the rubble. And I would hope to think that, you know, if this civilization was to burn down and they were to build another one, and, you know, we are long gone in the past, that they can pick a script, they can pick up bits of visual art, and they can know that, okay, well these people existed so I think that there's two things that happen in having the courage and bravery to make sure that you're speaking about the things that are important to you and making sure that along that journey that you are looking after ourselves as we know you know scientifically we know that specifically as black artists we are carrying our karma is slightly different to that who have different histories to us um, in terms of as a people what we've gone through so therefore you know it means that we have, I think we have to think about process and how we approach the work and not to shy away from it, but actually to challenge ourselves to be kind in an even more intentional, loving way. So I think that finding joy, even when you're having to share stories that are very difficult, is fundamental to the work. If there is no joy in the room, then the work will not, it, it won't expand. It has to come from that, that place because the ripples I think the work is yeah what happens on stage the finished product per se you know we're so used to that but also the journey as to how we get there because ultimately we're conjuring we're conjuring whether it's the actor the director the writer the lighting designer whether you're on set or you know all of us are collaborating and conjuring together and I think with the work that we do with Black we're looking at having a holistic way of looking at artistic practice just getting people to just reflect personally on what that what that looks like for them
0: one thing I was thinking about as you were talking was how the role of like a drama therapist has become more present in a lot of productions yeah Um, so but your thoughts on that would be interesting but then also on top of that um that a drama therapist from the producer and the director it's like their job to make sure that they're in the room so for you as an actor as well how do you see your role within making sure that it's a caring practice?
1: First of all, what I hope is happening now that we're back into rehearsal rooms and, you know, set to open and stuff is that from the before they even bring actors into that space, before they even bring, I hope that producers are thinking about even how they're building into their budget you know in terms of accessibility so it's not a reactionary thing it's about how we choose to take care of all of our staff it's about care basically on a fundamental level a drama therapist building that into your budget from the beginning so you're not waiting for when an actor has a mental health crisis and then you're trying to bring people in to try and fix something that could have actually been avoided from the very beginning obviously safe space is such a buzzword that it's thrown around now but in terms of building a dialogue from the very beginning where you're speaking to people and it's a consideration alongside because ultimately it's going to make the work better because people can do their best work when the environment is something where they feel safe where they can flourish yeah so I feel like we really should be having It should just be part of um, artistic practice and budgets being built in where there is, like I say, in terms of accessibility, someone who they're thinking about in terms of making sure that people of different abilities, you know, whether there's visual impairment or hearing impairment is built in, along with a drama therapist who is not only just supporting the performers, but is also supporting the whole of the team and is able to hold that, that space for everybody. So therefore, I'm not expecting directors to know how to support a specific actor through a scene that could be particularly triggering. You can bring a a drama therapist. Shout out to Wabria King, who's part of our panel discussion, because she's doing amazing work where she's going into spaces and really holding space for actors and supporting directors and whole teams. So it takes the onus where people are freaking out. Oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do when this particular scene I don't know how to you know we've got also intimacy coaches now that are coming in and supporting teams of people as well as the actors and directors so everyone is able to be looked after and cared for so ultimately how do we care for ourselves so we're asking first of all what is that we need sometimes people at different stages in terms of being able to identify that for themselves but the hope is that the moment you have people who have diverse thought and have come from different streams and practices, specifically from healing practices, I think it just, it, it boosts the artwork. And I think it's just going to, it reaches and, and touches on a completely different level, completely different level. And I found that having worked with a drama therapist who worked with me on the high table because of the subject matters. And in fact, like that we then as, actors were supported and the director was supported the whole building was supported and therefore that ripples onto the audience as an audience member you, you want to fall into the story and not be worrying oh my gosh is that person okay I don't know what's going on there we can always feel it is that actor okay I know I have felt it and you're just like I hope they're looking after themselves <laughs> I hope they're all right how are they able to do that eight shows a week all in all it's just about fundamental care and what that looks like and it changes show by show person by person but being able to have the space to, and hopefully to have a dialogue where there is space to be able to discuss it
0: yeah thank you thank you can we use this as a transition to talk about Black blacktress because I'm very interested mm-hmm. in your work firstly can you just define like what blacktress is for you um and why you founded it
1: Blattress came out of many conversations many dialogues bearing in mind this was 5 years ago and a lot has happened socially even down to our language has evolved so quickly over these past 5 years very very quickly so bearing that in mind so um whilst i was in harry potter and i was well into my my role of those 14 months it gave space and I realised that the thing that I that had benefited and shifted and changed my life was the support of other black women who had pulled me in for chats who had had conversations and hours of conversations of encouragement on the phone with me who just gave me time and they would share their knowledge and experience of what they had done before these are people who have been treading the boards for 20 30 40 years pioneers within their fields you know shout out Sharon D Clark, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, Cecilia Noble, Angela Winter you know all of you know Sharon Duncan Brewster these are people that you know now I'm seeing they're getting their accolades by the wider wider media wider society but within the smaller community we've seen these people just shine in their light and now you know the wider masses are really appreciating them now which is amazing. So I had done a show called Aiming Corner and that show was just an incredible array of talent and heartfelt incredible black women who are powerhouses both on and off the stage and I realised I was the youngest, um, youngest person there and they the way they took care of me and just gave me time, and I realised wow I've, I kind of connected to how that made me feel, and I thought wow there are so many people that don't necessarily have access to this, and I thought what what I'm experiencing and what I have what I have benefited from is the is um, intergenerational conversations, because what was happening was a lot of us were saying I'm the only one, or. What we started to do around that time or leading up to that time was the first black woman to do this, the first black person to do that. No one wants to be the first. That is such an isolating place to be. And should we see, should we be celebrating that? So it was like, hang on, all of these firsts have, have been apparently happening. And there's also been waves of people with, like during the 80s, people have suffered from burnout and then they disappear you don't hear from them so it was about getting first of all just a group of black women together of different generations around a table and we sat down we broke bread and it was intentional conversations in terms of where people were at and first of all that was how the dialogue first started and all of the events and how the forward momentum of black trust has grown has literally come from the voices of those women so whether it's been the black trust season where we had 19 shows over 12 weeks at the Actors Centre, which is now Seven Dahls Playhouse, um, which was amazing. Or whether we had the Sage Club, where we bought 70 elders, 60 plus, to come and enjoy their portraits were taken by Maya Jeffers and they got to watch Small Island. This was the first running of it. Or doing collaborations with different venues, being at the Almeida and doing talks with, you know, voices of Caribbean women and getting Paulette Randall and Winston Pinnock on a panel, doing social events, which is actually really the the crux of what we do as well as the spark workshops. So really encouraging black women in leadership to lead these workshops to teach other black women the skills that they have um, developed over the years and saying, you know what, a lot of the time we're told that we are rising this or working progress that yes, we're always a work in progress. But know that hey, you know your stuff, you are the expert of your own experience and actually the whole purpose of black trust was to affirm one's experience and to not look at ourselves through the lens of somebody else to say my experience as a black British femme or woman is important and it is important because I'm important so let's just speak about that and bringing all those people together who identify in that way and then realizing the plethora of experience, whether it's, you know, people who are actors, who are also carers, who are also suffering with womb health issues, who are also, you know, generally nurturers and caregivers, or, you know, fighting to just um, getting to drama school, you know, fighting to just be put upon a poster, fighting to try and have access to an accent where someone in their rehearsal space hasn't been able to, you know, being able to just get the, the right colored tights, being able to have access to someone to do their hair and makeup, being able to do and have access to all of these things and knowing that the most powerful resource we have is each other, is people power. Audre Lorde talks about it all the time in terms of there is no liberation without community. She is the backbone of Black Truss. I, I read Sister Outsider like two or three times and that was me being able to just be like, wow, I understand what I've got to do and let me share the things that I have benefited personally with the wider community because I can't be winning and nobody else is winning we all win when one of us wins we all win that's how we move wow 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 Wow!
0: I mean anything that is built on uh, the words of Audrey Lord you know it's it's going to
1: be good but it sounds fantastic how can people get involved with black Tris? Okay. So we're on hiatus at the moment. And like I say, the, the cycle of a lot of grassroots organizations is burnout. So mm-hmm. we are doing some re- reconstructing. So, but please follow us on Instagram. We have our website, we have all the socials them, um, And if if myself or Shiloh Coke or Naomi Denny, if you see any of us out and about, just pull us and just say, hi, I want to be involved hello, can you keep me involved? You can email us um, through the website as well and we'll add you to our mailing list. So that's the way. So whilst we're restructuring and sorting ourselves out from the inside, we want people to know that we are we are still planning things. Um, hopefully we'll have a social happening within the next couple of months, as well as just dialogue, really. I love that, that even though we haven't been putting out, you know, the, with COVID and everything, we've we've had to slow everything down it's great still hearing people talk about the work that we have been doing or the importance and need for people to come together that's Mm. definitely been a thing where I'm like okay yeah we still do do need to have the socials that's still a really important thing because people are coming out of drama school and they're looking for community and looking for tribe Um, Mm. and we want to create opportunities where that can happen and we might not be your tribe but hey come try us out that's okay but um we just want people to know that you're not on your own and that the struggle that you're going through, someone else might be going through exactly the same thing that is very, very unique or specific to you, and that we we can solve it together as well, or you can solve it for yourself in a space where you feel like you can flourish and be yourself.
0: Um, all of your thoughts on the industry are very interesting, like the centering of care, the idea of, you know, having community when sometimes the industry upholds individuals as opposed, and, and kind of tries to get you to strive to make it or be recognized as an individual so you're not just an actor you're an you're an actor you're a writer you're a cultural producer and you're the founder of black dress do you think that that is something that is becoming more necessary to be as a black creative in terms of I've noticed a lot of black creatives are multi-hyphenate um is that necessary to be empowered in the industry the way it currently is or do you think that there is some sort of shift between the power dynamics between directors
1: and actors I can only speak from my own personal experience but um coming from I come from like a grassroots background in terms of art so a lot of the art programs that I went through were founded by a lot of pan-Africanist thought a lot of Rastafarian community had set up a lot of spaces across Birmingham obviously this was when the funding landscape has changed now across Birmingham but I come from a a, back I come from a very strong African Caribbean community where it's not like oh you just do this you do this it's basically you do whatever you need to do in order to get the job done on a fundamental level I think this whole idea of being you are more than what you think you are and I think that's an amazing thing to celebrate I've going to drama school and Um, seeing how people are put in boxes it makes people believe well this is the only thing that defines me and being an actor being a storyteller for me is about an opportunity to just share it's about an opportunity to collect because over those six weeks over those four weeks over the three weeks when you're creating a show that's your family whether you like it or not you're building a show you're building a whole world together same when you're on set you're building a world with those people, people that you would never necessarily meet in your um, day-to-day life. And you've brought together by circumstance, but you're building, you're all working together to, to put this, build this world, to put this story on. I mean, I don't know anyone that solely just acts. and I say that in, in terms of how you operate also within your daily life. I know people who are actors, who are also carers for their parents or grandparents. And they're balancing those things and what they do for themselves on stage and then what they're doing for others at home always ends up in, intertwining. I see that as being multi <laughs> You know, we see it as, as like, oh, the thing that obviously you pays your wages and that you can pay your bills. But, you know, people who are managing to, you know, create art and, and doing it with some real-life health issues or managing to do art and like I say managing to I don't know I think I see it as just a necessary thing in terms of how we live our lives we don't just live singular lives you know we have multiple groups of communities and different family groups that we're part of and I think that feeds into there are no limitations on what is available to you in this life I like to think that so I think that if you can speak words you can write words. If you can, if you go to an event, you understand the events that you like, therefore you can produce an event. And the hope is over time, you will improve and that's things experience based on repetition. Um, so you'll find that actually, yeah, maybe being a producer is stressful for you and you'd rather just attend the events or maybe you would like to support in different ways. But ultimately, anything that you put your hand to <laughs> I think it's the titles that kind of throws people off. I know for me, when I realised, oh, yeah, I do this thing called producing, I've always, you know, back in the day, I used to put on raves. I used to put on dance classes. I I used to run a dance group and stuff like that. And then there's this title. And sometimes the title can make you feel like, oh, is this a thing? But I think generally most people are multi-hyphenated. They just haven't put the finger on what their title is yet. Maybe you're just a boss. That's just it, you know, (laughs) you know. It. like being an adult in in uh, specifically as a young person and stepping into older adulthood you're having to learn to manage a whole household or you know doing admin doing your taxes hello it's not just about that's multi-hyphenated for me it's a lot to juggle for sure for sure
0: but I think also from what you were saying for you like everything you create kind of comes from the same place of this this idea of caring um, I don't know if that's entirely true whether I'm just putting words in your mouth, but like that's mm. definitely seems to be where black dress has come from that like it wasn't like, oh, I need to found something. It was like there's this need that needs to be addressed, so I will do it and how how did you come to the writing Why was you've said that because you could s- speak words because you could perform the words, you could write the words, but was there something yeah. that made you?
1: feel like a burning desire that you had to be the one writing the words as well also I'll jump back to Blattress I also created the community that I also needed for myself especially coming from a different city and coming to London I created the community that I needed in hope that people would also benefit from that as well in regards to the writing I've always written prose and verse and I've always been a I've always loved journaling I've never not written in my life but I suppose in terms of a structured play or a structured short film or whatever, that has come out of the fact London is so brilliant in that it's, it's such a melting pot and alive and there is so much resources that I think being in London, you don't realise and when you go to different parts of the country, you realise, oh, they ain't got it like that. So for me, coming from where I'm co- coming from, I almost feel like I have to, I'm also bringing my city with me as well so it's really important wherever I'm going I always let people know I'm from Birmingham you know I have lived here a long time but I'm from Birmingham through and through one. so it's making sure that I can bring my city and benefits from the work that I do and making sure you know I'm always obviously everything is very London centric so making sure hey we have black people that are up and down the country that have accents that are not solely from what you're gonna see on TV. You've got, you've got accents, people who live in Scotland, in Bristol, in Manchester, you know, Birmingham, variety, black people who live in the countryside. And I was like, well, I'm at the point now where if I want to create roles and, and tell stories that I find interesting, that is from my lived experience, I've got to write it, you know. Is, my, is it my Angelou that says that? No, it's Toni Morrison. Tony Morrison says, "You know, basically just write it. If it's not out there, you've got to write it yourself, and it's about having I like to be solution based as opposed to just pointing out the things that's wrong. It's like, yeah, this thing's wrong, but what am I doing to contribute to help help in this situation? It's like I can't be talking about something that you know I'm not a novice anymore i've 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 been doing this for a while, so I have to be brave enough to put myself out there." in a way where I'm also challenging myself you're never not learning as an artist you're literally in response to your environment so me growing looks like stepping into writing and grappling with that and grappling with language and you know literally wrestling because it feels like that sometimes sometimes so, there's certain bits of the plays that I'm writing that write themselves and then sometimes I feel like I'm wrestling and I'm sat there I'm crying and I'm conjuring I'm talking to ancestors and you know <laughs> it's, a, it's a proper journey and I think actually that's that's wherever wherever there is the struggle within self I think sometimes that's actually where you need to go because that's where the that's that's the growth that's where the growth is and I never know what I never not want to be like I done it now I want to be learning up until uh, whilst I'm on this earth I want to be learning yeah I've enjoyed talking to you so much but we're gonna we're gonna bring things to a close so I've enjoyed speaking to you Hannah you've had some fantastic questions that's just really it's got me I've got fired up because it's 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 just great It's it's got me thinking a lot I mean
0: looking forward do you have any particular career goals or any projects that you want to mention and shout
1: out So yesterday, even though it was yesterday, but yesterday I was part of the scratch night at Peckham Fringe. So I've written a play called Happy Snaps, which is highlighting and hopefully giving voice to the people that have come over during the Windrush times and their faces and names have been kind of put into just a headline, have been limited to a headline. And I want to shine light on that story. So I'm, I'm in the development process of that. So I will come back to you when we've got further with my script. Um, but that went really well. It starred um, Sapphire Joy and Susan Lawson Reynolds, directed by Shiloh Cope. And I think what they're doing at uh, Theatre Peckham is amazing. I also want to shout out the Midwich Cuckoo is going to be out on the 3rd of June, which will be out on Sky. Um, So look out for that. And also, yeah, we'll be back hopefully in the next month or so with updates about what's happening with Blacktress as well. So yeah, please do follow us on all the socials so we can keep you up to date. And um, follow me as well on Instagram. I'm not really active on Twitter, but I'm more active on Instagram. I like pictures, so that's good.
0: Cool, okay, just to finish, I've got um, a couple of like quick fire questions. What is a book you have to have in your collection? All about
1: love, Bell Hooks, and Sister Outsider. Um. What is a song or album that defines the soundtrack of your life to date? Dirty Computer, Do You Know What is a film or TV show that you can watch or have watched repeatedly? Currently watching All About Us, which is amazing. The first stage production you saw and what it meant to you? A raisin in the sun. No, madam, as Wenny Len- Lenny James. First time I watched a piece of theatre that made me cry and actually made me connect to acting in a new way that was amazing. I was studying Lorraine Hansbury.
0: Amazing. And what's made you sad, mad, and glad this week?
1: Sad. Oh, gosh, my brain. Ah, what has made me sad? probably I'm probably very overworked so I'm, I'm probably sad about that that I've kind of allowed that to happen so I've got to work on that mad is um mad that the governmental stuff that can be quite triggering and stuff that comes up on the timeline about dumb stuff that our government tends to say and glad is I had a scratch night of my first play yesterday Um, that will be out very soon so I'm really really joyously glad about that
0: great and finally um, can you remind our listeners where they can watch
1: the 47th and also shout out your app for Instagram so you can come down to the Old Vic Theatre in Waterloo London and come and watch the 47th Starring myself, Lydia Wilson, Bertie Carvel, Tamara Tooney, and we are there until the 28th of May. Um, please come down, let us, you know, shout us out on social media, let us know what you think. You can follow me at Sherelle Skeet and also at Blattress underscore UK as well. Thank you.